Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Welcome to another episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. Ellen and I are here with Jessie. She's going to talk to us about the art of doing nothing. And I love this idea. She's also from the former Soviet Union, like Ellen. They both emigrated here as children. So they've got like some really cool like connection going on. I love this. (laughs) So Jessie, tell us, tell us about yourself. Of course. And Lacey and Ellen, I love the name of your podcast. Oh, thank you. It says it all. So yes, I, like Ellen, was born in the former Soviet Union. And I think a lot of my story and spiritual search comes from the trauma of losing everything you know at a young age. So for me, that was eight. When I left, I was almost eight. We had to go through... Um, various other countries while we were waiting for asylum in America. And so by the time we got here, I had turned eight. And um, I come from a culture and a time when child psychology was not very talked about or really thought about. And so I kind of buried a lot of the emotions that I was experiencing. Uh, I'm a sensitive person. I, I consider myself an empath. And so it all kind of got bottled in there until it manifested as an eating disorder as a teenager, uh, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, all this stuff that was really not fun. And um, I had changed my name by then. I had changed how I look and kind of reinvented myself in order to fit in, to find belonging. And it wasn't working for me. Uh, So What happened to me was after I graduated college, I had been studying something I was not at all interested in, but I still graduated summa cum laude because as Ellen knows, that's the the Soviet immigrant way. And um, I got into a major car crash. So I had no choice but to get still because my body was broken, my spirit was broken. And I think my rock bottom was... Uh, I was still bulimic at the time. My body was a mess and I was still doing what I no longer wanted to be doing. I mean, I was in crisis mode. I had not want, I I wanted to be well. I didn't know how to get well. And so I searched for everything I could get my hands on. And I reached for the Tao Te Ching, which I had ordered maybe some months before. It was on my bedside table. It's a tiny pocket-sized version. It's one of the most popular translations. Now, what the Tao Te Ching is, it's an ancient philosophy from 6th century BC, China. And it seemed so relevant to me in my brokenness. And slowly I started analyzing and thinking about these verses that I read. And I would take walks and I would just meditate on these verses. And step by step, I got better. I reinvented myself. 
But time and time again, because life does not just go smoothly ever after, you know, there were other moments where I needed to get back to my center and get back to that stillness. And I would go back to the Tao Te Ching. And that last time that that happened was when the pandemic hit. And in my book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, which is coming out shortly, I actually call what's happening to us society's car crash because I had experienced my car crash and it had to change everything for me. And now everything's shifting for all of us. And I, there's parallels there. Sometimes when we hit crisis mode is when we can create the greatest change. And so I had lots of vocations. I was an actress. I, I did lots of other things. Um, I started writing professionally uh, when after I had kids and you know, it was published in all the stuff like the New York Times, the LA Times, Washington Post, all these big papers. But I really had this urging to write what was dear to my heart. And I was writing personal essays, but I wanted to share not just my story, but the teachings and the spiritual philosophies that healed me, that saved my life. And so that's what I did recently in my book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, Healing, Chilling, and Living with the Tao Te Ching. I love it. That's amazing. I love that. And I love the way that you kind of, I mean, like there's so many things happening in our society right now that you see like the great resignation, kind of like a reckoning within our society. Like our society is changing, it's shifting. Like the things people are prioritizing are changing and shifting. And so this is really like a great parallel here that you've drawn. I love that. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny that you mentioned the great resignation because I don't know if it's my book, but there are people who have read my book who have taken early retirement, <laughs> people on the uh, people who, who are my mentors who are in the publishing world who've helped me get this book published and out there. And I'm like, maybe the great resignation is can be returned the great awakening. And if anybody is on the cusp of making great changes, big changes, I think this book could be of a lot of help. Yeah. I feel like this, I feel like something like this could be of help, not just, you know, with resignation and stuff, but like anything from, you know, everything's a change in life. When you go from not having children to children, when you go from being single to married, when you go from job to job, or maybe you change career paths, or maybe you're retiring. Yeah. And moving. Even like those, those big things, but even like, Okay, so you want to lose weight. Okay, so you yeah. want to exercise more. Absolutely. So you, like you can like incorporate, like you don't need to be like on the cusp of a big change, although right. we all kind of are. But like, I feel yeah. like this kind of thing can be like about that as well. So, okay, so now I'm really interested. What exactly is the Tao Te Ching and how do you like, like, what is it? How do we do it? And yeah, like start there. Like, what is sure, it? Just like sure. you said, your daughter, like, where does the world come from? <laughs> that is what my daughter asks me. <laughs> um, and uh, so, and for moms, especially, their change is such a constant because we are so tied to our kids and our kids, what childhood is, is a constant change and it's hard. And I hope what I do with the stories in my book is make it okay because you can't freeze time. And I hear this time and time again from moms, like, I wish I could just stop time and you can't. And accepting the constant growth of our children, the constant change and the eventual leaving, which is what we're rearing them to do. We're rearing them to leave us. So 
I'll get back to your question of the Tao Te Ching because the Tao gives such great advice. It, it teaches us to look at love as not a possessive kind of experience. Not It's not about possession. It's about leading versus controlling. Leading and letting go, which I think is so relevant for us. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to make you cry. In so, in so many (laughs) ways, this applies in so many ways. Like for people who actually hold positions of leadership, I think a lot of people think like a leader is someone who can like control people to do what they want. But really, I feel like leadership is just like, you know, passing your belief on to other people so that they follow rather than like forcing them to go. And it's really about empowerment too. You know, even if... It's just, it's about helping people be themselves. And what's funny is, so to go back to um, the question about what is the Tao Te Ching, it's an ancient, ancient philosophy, 6th century BC, like I said, and it's second most translated in the world after the Bible. So it is actually quite big. However, it's not as widely known in the West because it's from ancient China in a dialect that's not used today. And what's interesting is though, there have been many books written for leadership, for positions of power based on the Tao Te Ching. This is the first book that is written by a woman about the modern female experience. Although my book is not just aimed at women. I mean, men can read it as well, but it's about the modern life and very, very relevant to specifically women juggling all the things that we juggle and motherhood and how do we fit in career and friends and relationships and love relationships. So it's really about what it is to be a woman in the world today and how can we use these ancient teachings of the Tao that have been widely used and philosophized by men, how can we use them to just live a more happy, joyous, peaceful inner peace is what I'm talking about. Peaceful life in our day-to-day so that we're not always struggling. We're not always feeling like we're just barely hanging on. You know, and that's one thing that I've been talking about lately too, is like just being overwhelmed with my daily life. You know, like I feel like there's so many of us who are just in this constant state of like, like you said, just barely hanging on. So now, now I'm sure that there are listeners going like, okay, this sounds great. So like, how do I do it? What is, what is the art of doing nothing? <laughs> and by the way, that's of course tongue in, you know, in tongue in cheek, like it's, um, yep, yep. you know, don't just sit there, do nothing, which is kind of also, I mean, if you're just sitting there, you are doing nothing. But you know, the reason, the reason it's a play on words is because the Tao Te Ching itself is super paradoxical. Like it'll say like two opposite things at the same time. And then you go off and you have to, analyze that for like days until you understand what it's actually meaning because our experience is one of duality, right? So like with everything good, there comes an underside. Like, okay, okay, as women, for example, we want success, we work towards success, but with that comes extreme busyness as an example. Mm -hmm. And with all bad things, you know, divorce, huge losses also come opportunities. So it's sort of this looking, this is a shift in perception of accepting everything exactly as it is, not fighting what's going on around us, what's going on with our families, what's going on within us, accepting what is and going from there. That being said, 
what I do in every single one of my chapters, I have 47 chapters in this book. I have a do your Tao section and it offers exercises and not all of them are, sorry, I don't know what's going on with my light, but we're just going to sit in, in, we're gonna sit, sit in the, the desk. <laughs> so uh, in my book, I offer a do your Tao section at the end of each chapter, which helps folks shift that perception. So not all of these exercises are difficult. I wanted this to be a more fun experience than some of the self-help books that I've used myself and I've used all of them. I'm a big, big self-help junkie. And I wanted this to be a fun experience, but also a deep one. And it's not always about an exercise that you, you know what, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes. I'm going to do this. Sometimes it's an, the exercise is a different way of looking at things in our lives. And you could take this exercise, this shift of thinking with you throughout the week. So my book is 47 chapters. And I say in the introduction, it's not something you need to, you can sit and read in one, one sitting. And that's great, of course. You can also take a little bit at a time. It's perfect for, a lot of us are busy. You want to read one chapter a day to really center yourself. You can do that. One chapter a week, whatever timing. There's no, I don't want anyone to feel more pressure. There's so many shoulds in our lives already. The whole idea behind the Tao Te Ching, and I didn't say this, this was Wayne Dyer, great spiritual teacher who has passed, who wrote, he titled his book about the Tao, he titled it, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. The work I'm doing here is about changing your thoughts and it could be the smallest shift in perception and that will have big effects. Jesse, I feel like you're coming into our life at like the perfect moment. For Lacey, I swear Lacey talks about this so much lately, like the feeling <laughs> of overwhelm that we feel yeah. like not just as humans, but as moms and, you know, just trying to juggle everything. And then I definitely, you're coming into my life at a perfect time. Cause I feel like I'm on the cusp of like so many things kind of peaking at the same time. And I am type A. I know Lacey's type A. Almost everybody in our profession is type A. We always try to control everything because for our job, it's required. If you don't have control of everything in anesthesia, something bad could happen and it would be on you. So like, we are just so born and bred for this, that learning to live the opposite feels like weakness to where you have to like shift your mind to recognize that just because you are choosing not to control everything, or just because you can't control everything does not make you a weak human being. It just means you're you know, coming more just human, just a human being <laughs> human, and you're coming more into sync with like what the world actually is versus what you're trying to force it into this like perception that you have that it should be, um, which is very familiar to me. I feel comfortable in that, in that space. So when I can't do that, I feel like my brain short circuits. So you're coming in at the perfect time. Thank you. I'm so happy to, to, to be of service. And <laughs> it's funny that you said force, because I do have a chapter in Doja just said there do nothing called do not force. Literally, how much more literary can you get? Right? <laughs> I should just go straight to that one. <laughs> yeah, go straight to do that first. Well, um, so the book also is divided into three sections, identity, awareness, and creation. It doesn't need to be, listen, you can really open up to whatever chapter speaks to you when you look at it. You'll like one because one chapter is called The Tao of Babushka. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> but um, the identity part is really for us to tap into 
the realization that we're much more than who we've put ourselves in a box to be, you know? We are not defined by our jobs. We're not defined by our sex. We're not defined by where we come from. So identity is starting to get in touch with this realization that we're more than just our human forms, the way we've defined them right now. Mm -hmm. Awareness is that section where we become aware of all the forces that work outside of us and within us, where we do sometimes have to let go of the reins rather than force it. And it's this awareness and it's a, it's a hard part as mothers too, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually a hard part of loving anything mm-hmm. because you can't control anything as much as you think you can. Yeah. And there are forces at play that are beyond just what we want. And yeah. so awareness, that's the section where you start to understand how to flow with life. The Tao Te Ching often talks about water, be like water. And it's this idea of flowing with the ups and downs, accepting what's going on and always moving from the space of full acceptance. That's also the space of presence. And you actually, ironically, paradoxically, you actually better control the outcomes when you come from a space of acceptance instead of forcing. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of flowing versus pushing the, you know, the rock up the hill. Yeah. And the final, the final section is creation. And that's where we really take all this understanding and figure out what we want our lives and ourselves to look like. So um, now, yeah, go ahead, Stacey. I have a oh, question. Helen, if you, I'm going to completely like change topics here. So if you've got one on this thread, go for it, Ellen. Not really. I was going to ask, first of all, is there anything that you don't want to discuss that you had touched on? No, because I believe in complete open bookness in my, in my job, what I do. I mean, I write from the soul and everything's open for discussion and more so because I've written about every single part of my life, including the hardships, mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to heal them. I think when we talk about our vulnerabilities, our shame, our tragedies, all that stuff that is not looked at as positive, you know, when we talk mm-hmm. about it, we heal. Yeah, for sure. Well, and not only do you heal, you help other people heal because you're giving an acknowledgement that to something that a lot of other people are feeling, which is Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I've started giving a voice to the motherhood overwhelm that, I mean, obviously like, I mean, any mommy blog has like something on overwhelm, right? That's not what we are. But I think that, you know, and just acknowledging it's, it just gives it a voice and, and brings it to light, you know? Yeah. And just because, you know, just because one person or one set of people do it doesn't mean there's ever enough. Like there's room for all the voices, especially on struggles that are so universal. Like, I don't know, show me a mom who's not overwhelmed. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. So on that topic, then I have a question. Could you tell us a little bit about like we had just talked briefly how you're coming to America and my coming to America were obviously quite different because I came when I was younger. So I didn't really have like an identity that existed before that I had left to my knowledge. And I imagine my parents probably really went through this, but talk to us a little bit about what it was from that transition that like really impacted you. And if you feel like that's what led to the feelings of control, the bulimia, the addiction, stuff like that. Yes, I do think 
by the way, Ellen, that our culture, the Soviet culture from which we came, which kind of really doesn't exist anymore, it was a very control-based culture. I mean, hello, like the, you know, the Iron Curtain. Yeah, and we are all the same. Like, that's the crazy part. We are all the same. Yeah, um, we're all neurotic. <laughs> yes, to, to another level. Like, I, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't understand. Like, when you had said, like, you just graduated summa cum laude because... That's just what we do. Like that's what we do. That's what we have. We have no choice. And you know, there's a lot of other immigrant groups that I've talked to that have similar experiences. Indian immigrants in America have very similar struggles and stories. Asian Asian as well. Mm -hmm. It's. It's. I think it's probably wider than just us Soviets, but it's definitely an immigrant experience. The pressure of being an immigrant and having left everything behind and your parents having done all these sacrifices that are yes. now right, they, they sit on your shoulders. Riding on you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you didn't come here for anything. Yeah, you better go. You better. <laughs> and so I am a very much a healed immigrant in that sense. <laughs> That's why I'm an expert in doing nothing. Like literally, like I, I, I'm very good at being lazy. I'm proud of being lazy. I balance it out because there's things I want to be doing I mean, but you did creating, write a book like that. Yes, I did. You got to be pretty motivated to write a book. <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, I took my time. In some of the interviews that I do, people ask me, like, what's your next project? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm not a machine. I refuse to be a machine that's just churning things out. You know, I turned 40 recently. I'm like, I want to enjoy all the parts of my life. And the the key to that, that I learned from the Tao and from other Eastern philosophies is creating room for stillness because nobody wants to just sit there and do nothing forever. So when you create moments to do that, you get very clear on what it is that you do want to create and what it is that you do want to Mm -hmm. spend time doing in your life. Right. And if you're just go, 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 and your calendar is always packed, you don't have the time to even know, are you doing the things you want to be doing? Are you happy? Or are you just performing? Are you doing Uh like a performative happiness? Oh, Which I culture, our culture so like go, go, glorifies go. the hustle mm-hmm. and the like who got there fastest, who got their youngest, who got there first, mm-hmm. you know, like how 30 you know, under like, 30, 20 under 20. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. And so then it's like, like you can never be like good enough, fast enough. Like, I mean, it just kind of becomes that like part of the hustle culture of like mm-hmm. who can make like the most money fastest youngest like yes. I started you know a business I mean? and I sold it for two billion dollars totally. six months later like yeah. but you yeah. know you if we really step outside like of of that truth which I absolutely agree on and you know is part of the reason I felt compelled to write this what works for me and I see a lot of people not being in a good place and I see a lot of you know lives of quiet desperation people who seemingly have everything, who are really miserable. I see a lot of that, but I'm also starting to see what we, what you mentioned, the great resignation. There's definitely, there's definitely waves of awakening that are happening because it hasn't worked. It's not working. Mm -hmm. This go, go, go hustle Mm -hmm. culture is not working for us. Suicide rates are higher than ever. I had an immigrant friend who I immigrated with, who, who did die by suicide um, a while ago uh, because I think it's partially, look, I don't want to blame any one thing. Depression is also something I've dealt with and I understand, but I don't think our culture is conducive to mental health right now. No, absolutely Mm-mm. not. But, but change is coming and it's happening yes. as actually right in front of us. It is. Thank goodness. Because we always say, you know, like 
everyone's keeping up with the Joneses and you're comparing and why is that person doing better than me? But really like, it's actually true. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's why so (laughs) many people are so dang miserable in our society. But like you said, people are starting to wake up and be like, wait a second, am I actually working in this job because I like it or because I'm trying to like perform or outperform? Yeah, because it gives me the title I think I should have. And I think people are making my parents happy, my immigrant parents. Uh parents That are never going to be happy anyway. I think (laughs) it comes down to like when COVID shut everything down, I think that it forced people into that stillness to really like evaluate, am I happy? you know, cause we had no choice. We had nowhere to go. We had nothing to do. We could just stare at a wall on each other and talk and start to like, actually like live with your own thoughts. Whereas if you're going so fast that you don't have time to think it's kind of nice. Cause you don't get into your own thoughts. It's a dangerous place to be. Everybody knows that, but it's also a, a healthy place to be because you really start to think like, am I happy or am I just like content? You know, am well, I living or am I just, you know, existing? Um, and I think that that's what's starting to make this like 40% resignation rate that it's crazy, right? it's and it's crazy. getting bigger and bigger going into 2022, which I'm actually like super proud of our society, by the way. Oh, I, I know so for much. sure. Super Especially proud. in healthcare. I'm glad alive. For a minute, like... I was like, I don't know that I'm happy to be alive during this time. <laughs> and <laughs> now I can say like, I'm like really proud of the people that are doing this because they always say that you have like, you know, a really, really strong society that yields weaker people. And then from those people, you have to get strong again. So I feel like we are like on the cusp of the strength coming because the weakness kind of was there. That's what led to everything, in my opinion. You know, uh, I also, and this is why I called it in the book, I called it society's car crash. It was almost necessary. Like mm-hmm. I, in hindsight, could see why I needed that major car crash, the concussion, the... I had no choice then and I was forced to get still and now it's happening on a macro level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the car crash is like on fire. Like it's a fiery car crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, a dumpster fire. A dumpster, <laughs> dumpster fire, yeah, legit. And you know what's funny? I, you know, we all know, like we all thought the pandemic would be over by now. It's not, but... Then I start to ask myself, well, have we learned the lessons that perhaps it came to teach us? And then my feeling from a spiritual standpoint, you know, I'm also a trained intuitive, a Reiki healer. I've studied all the modalities. And from a spiritual point, a mindset, it just makes sense to say that, you know, until we learn the lessons we're meant to learn, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to disappear like we want it to. Yeah, I agree. I I see that. I believe that in so many things. Like I believe that, when I can't excel or, or move on to the next level or promotion in a job or in anything, whatever, I used to think like, blame myself. Like I, something's wrong with me and whatever. And I came to recognize that the universe or, you know, whatever, like higher power you believe in is not going to give you like that level up until you have the skills to beat the next level. So like, Mm -hmm. if you're not leveling up, it's because you haven't learned or gained the knowledge or the skills or whatever that you need in this level to be able to move on and like beat Mario Kart in the next level. Why would you move on if you don't have, you know, the skills or the gear or whatever? Um, It sounds so silly from like a video game standpoint, but it totally makes sense. And so that's why I think when people are like frustrated in their life, like, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this coming? I'm like, you have to stop for a second, look around, like something's missing. You don't have a skill that you need. You don't have something, some, you don't have something that you need to go to the next level, you know, and succeed and perform there. And I think that people can only say this when they have gone through that 
and then be able to look back and be like, Oh God, no wonder. Like I wasn't leveling up because if I did at that time, I would have failed massively because I just wasn't in the space to accept that even or succeeded it or, you know, whatever it is. I truly believe that you are hundred percent right there. Yeah. And in hindsight, everything makes sense. And I say this and don't just sit there, do nothing. You see how everything strings together in hindsight. You see how you needed this, whatever this period was, let's say it's a block that didn't let you get what you wanted, but you needed that block in order to develop A, B, and C so that you can then move on to the next Mm -hmm. section of your life. Mm So I want to hear from, and I, I will say something too, but I want to hear from both of you as to what you think our society needs in order to like rise above the pandemic. Like what are the lessons that we need to learn that maybe we still haven't learned yet? In reality, of course, everything is complicated and it's more than just one thing. But whenever I look at the big picture of like what the world needs, what I've learned from the Tao and other spiritual teachings, you know, as above, so below, that's a Kabbalah teaching. I go, I start to look on the individual level and like the smaller, what is a society? It's just a lot of people. It's just a lot of relationships. And I start to look within my own town, within the relationships that people have in their households, within the relationship you have in with yourself. What do you, we all need more, more of? And I really believe that we all operate for too much from a place of fear until we're able to operate from a place of love. There's really only two, two forces, love and fear. If we're living from a place of fear, if we're living from a place of what we're trying to avoid, if we're always fighting what it is we're trying to avoid, we aren't going to be able to go beyond that because you create what you are. So when you're afraid, you create more fear. When you're in a place of inner peace, which is what my book is all about, you create peace. You create peace. I, I've I've seen this with myself and the chaos that I lived in for a long time in my head and my outside relationships. I couldn't maintain any relationship when I was in my you know low period, not friendships, not romantic relationships. And I have ease now in those aspects of my life because I have ease within myself. I really think you heal the world by healing individuals. And what that's going to look like on a major level is, is it's going to be such a huge change that I, I, I'm going to use the word fear. I, I'm not sure it's something that's going to be healed just with one pandemic, but the change has to come with folks understanding they need inner alignment more than external anything, external accolades, external mm-hmm. whatever, titles, money, the same with countries. Not one, you know, we don't need to always focus on being more powerful than another country. We need to focus on creating the best place for the people who live here to experience the best lives they can. So it's all about going back within yourself, within yourself. Yeah. What about you, Ellen? Um, mine comes down to one word and it's ego. Mm. Ego, 100% ego. Because ego is the root of everything you just described, in my opinion. Like- You're, you're absolutely right. If you're fighting someone else, if you're fighting yourself, if you're getting in your own way, if you're angry at the world, if you're, you know, whatever it is, if you're fighting for, you know, the vaccine or against the vaccine, if you're always yelling at someone, 
that's ego because you care too much about what other people think of you. You care too much about yourself and that ego is preventing you from being kind and communicating and being at peace. So it kind of goes together, but mine comes down to one word and it's always, always going to come down to ego. And, and you know, it's so funny, ego. Behind. Yeah. Uh, which I've, you know, I've read about this from, this is not my, uh, my own words, but ego always operates from fear as well. Yes, always. Ego is so afraid. They're so afraid to be outshined, afraid to be forgotten, afraid to be left behind, afraid to not be seen, afraid to be seen in the wrong light. And it's always, Uh isn't that so funny? Yeah, it's ego. I meditate. It's not you that's afraid, it's your ego. Of course, of course, because you, the greater you, yeah. There's really nothing to fear. I mean, nothing to fear, even yeah. death. Yeah. So I, what about you, Lacey? I, I really love how this lined up and I did not plan it this way. But the the thing that I thought of when there was that silence was we need to learn how to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. But they all go hand in hand because like you start with inner peace. And like you said, that comes, you know, the ego prevents the inner peace. Mm -hmm. And then once you have inner peace, you are better capable of actually caring for other people because you don't have that ego in the way that means that you give care halfway in a certain way, Mm kind of, sort of, you know, like you're able to just fully care. No strings attached. No strings attached. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just kind of funny how that lined up, but that's what I think. Like if there's one lesson that we need to learn from this, it's how to like genuinely take care of other people and not be so, how am I going to take care of me? Uh I got to take care of me. And that's where the ego. Yeah. Uh Yeah. What am I going to get? Is yeah. it, it going to benefit me if I help you? Yes. Like and all the strings. Society. That's our old society or like mm-hmm. what we're leaving. Is, that's and so, so much polarity, you know? It's so much. Because, and, and it's funny, in the Tao, there's a line that goes, what's a good man, but a bad man's teacher? What's a bad man, but a good man's responsibility? Oh, yes. And they we're all one. And unfortunately, and you're right, this is the old, old way of being. Unfortunately, with this pandemic brought out in people is even more of this I'm good you're bad and when you label things like that then you become you know they're the other you're the good one your egos you know you feel good about yourself you're self-righteous and it's on both sides any side I don't care really what you believe but when you get so virulent against somebody else well I mean I don't think the pandemic created this polarity but it brought so much of it to the oh, surface. It brought it out. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like it mirror. brought out the worst of us. The world held up a mirror to us and was like look at yourself. But you know the <laughs> good thing is yourself. but the good thing is and you guys know this like you need to see things, you need the awareness to see the disease before it can be healed. Mhm. Um, I have a question for you. So do you feel like what you had gone through coming to America and like trying to fit in led to the bulimia? And if so, you know, can you kind of describe what helped you through that eventually other than the car crash, how you got past that and any advice you can give to anybody listening who is, you know, dealing with the same thing? Yes, of course. I mean, so my bulimia started really young and it does for a lot of people. And that's another problem we have going on right now, right? With Instagram and all of the imagery out there that's affecting young girls. Uh-huh. Um, 
back then for me, it was magazines. And I was comparing myself to, you know, 17 and all the other ones and what, you know, what the models looked like. And I was listening too much to all these external voices of what, so it started at a very young age. Uh, I started to really control what I ate and how many calories I took in at about 13 years old before I had much understanding of why that's a damaging thing to do. And then my bulimia um, developed from there. And by the time I really healed, I was in my mid 20s. So it's a long journey. And initially, when you're a child, uh, you don't understand the harm you're beginning, you're starting, and you don't seek help because you don't really think anything's wrong. Because when I figured out at first, I was controlling how much I ate. And then I figured out a way, oh, hey, look, I can eat and still stay thin. I didn't really realize the damage I was doing to my body, mm-hmm. some of it permanent. But I also didn't understand that what I developed was a coping mechanism that was super unhealthy and it was an addiction. Now, I know now about myself that I do have an addictive personality. There were other addictions that followed. And what the hardest thing for me to break was I no longer cared by a certain point, like what I looked like, but it was the behavior that I couldn't break. Mm-hmm. And when I started to understand, so awareness really is power. When I started to understand what the problem was, I, and in reading the Tao Te Ching and in reading other spiritual philosophies that helped me, I began to understand that I needed to heal slowly. It wasn't going to be an all or nothing. You know, I had periods where I was doing well and then I would fall off the wagon again. And that happens for a lot of people with a lot of different addictions. So I had to keep getting up, forgiving myself and continuing to know that this was a bottom from which I was yet to rise. It's this understanding that this doesn't define me and the spirit of my life doesn't define me. And a full belief, it was it took full belief that I can overcome this because, and the Tao says this as well, when you have power over yourself, you have true freedom. Yes. So yes, is don't just sit there, do nothing, but it's also discipline in general in anything you want in life. Yeah. And, you know, listen, there was therapy. There was a support, a support group I went to for quite a bit. There was medication. <laughs> so it takes, it takes, it's not an either or, it takes a lot. When you realize you have a problem that's life-threatening, that's really affecting the quality of your life, that is going to ruin your life if you don't overcome it, I say you throw everything at it and what, you know, keep what helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I just had a realization that I didn't answer part of Ellen's question that was, she asked, um, was my transition as an immigrant part of the problem? Probably, you know, I think that a lot of us, especially the super sensitive types like myself, we, we take things very personally. And when you're young as a child, you don't know that actually other people's reactions to you are about themselves. It's about who they are and where they are. And so I took personally not being accepted and I turned that into self-hatred. So yes, probably that, but that was part of my path and I'm okay with all of it. I had other harder periods and not harder, other equally hard periods that I went through with other things happening where I was victimized in ways that were terrible at the time, but in hindsight, I see the lessons that going through that taught me. Yeah. And now you can impart on your daughters, which is 
Why my daughter's here. in my writing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who Other knows if my daughters will listen to me, right? <laughs> but if you write a book and you take your name off of it and just say like, hey, I love this book. This really amazing lady yeah. wrote it. Yeah. This is an older book, right? When they're, when they're of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. It's retro now. Don't worry, girls. It's cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> so Lacey, you wanted to say something as well. Right? So, you know, our podcast audience, I feel like is primarily of Christian faith, if they were to designate a faith. We haven't actually done a poll or anything on this. But <laughs> so, you know, I feel like our we have a, a, a lot of a Christian audience and I'm I'm Christian, I'm Catholic. And so how does this, because there is a difference, right? Between spirituality and religion. Mm-hmm. And sometimes religion and spirituality can be of the same. And sometimes you can have spirituality in a way that exists outside of religion. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so how does this fit in with like the religion of Christianity? So I was actually a Soviet Jew. Um, I was born as a Soviet Jew. That meant nothing to me, by the way, because the Soviet Union had no religion, which of course is not ideal for anyone. However, because I was not raised with a religious belief of any sort, I was a blank slate, which to me now in hindsight, I see as a good thing for who I ended up becoming, which was a spiritual searcher. And I read everything. I I read and I love some of the teachings of Jesus are just amazing and very spiritual and very in tune with all of the spiritual philosophy that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And I love some of the ancient Jewish teachings. I studied the Kabbalah as well. And what I've realized about religion, the problem was with religion is people. (laughs) It's not ever. Ego, it's always ego. Mine is better Absolutely, absolutely. I'm right. This is the right right way to be. This is the only way. Yes. And I do believe at the core of every religion is the same message of love and kindness Mm. and oneness. But of course, look, all of these religions have been handled by people for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I do think it's super important to understand the difference. And you can be religious and spiritual. You can be religious and not spiritual. And you can be spiritual and not religious. And I think being spiritual and finding spiritual connection is of the utmost importance for every human. I really do. It makes Mm -hmm. a better life. It makes you a better person. Um, What I love about the Tao Te Ching, so Taoism is a religion as well, but the Tao Te Ching itself, the text, is just a philosophical text. Later, when it became religion, more stuff was added on, but I studied the Tao as a philosophy, and so do a lot of people. What is great about this philosophy is it asks nothing of you. There's nothing you have to do. It's not like you need to be vegan or, you know, you need to take certain day of the week off. It's nothing. It's literally about finding your own way. By the way, the Tao Te Ching translates as the way, the book of the way, the Tao is the way. So Tao Te Ching is the book of the way. And the way that it refers to is the way of living. And what you realize as you read and reread this book is the way that it's referring to is an individual way. There's no one way. Mm-hmm. It's finding the way for you, which is different than the way for me. And mm-hmm. everybody, when they find this way of living and of being, finds a lot of, we all discover ease and inner peace when we find our way and we are able to walk it. And so there's nothing in the Tao Te Ching 
that does not coincide with Christianity. If you look at actual Christian teachings and the actual teachings of Jesus, it's very much in line. It can also be very much in line with the Jewish religion. I think that because it is a philosophy and it's a philosophy about goodness, inner goodness, that you then expand outward. And it's about trust in the goodness that's always here. You can call it God. You can call it Tao. You can call it universe. You can call it source energy, but it's all the same thing. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I mean... Something that you said, like the problem with religion is the people. And <laughs> and it's but it's true. And I think it's not that that they're trying to like go against the teachings of their religion, but I think it's that people are so fearful and trying to cling to some sort of truth that it's like, this is the way, this is the only way because this is what I believe. Therefore, like, I am right, I am safe in this way. And so I think like that kind of leads to some problems, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, and I think, I think as, we, as we have seen as society evolves, I think there will be less clinging to any one way to practice any religion. I mean, I do believe you can be a really good Christian without going to a specific church. I believe the same thing about a Jewish person or, I mean, when we come to the actual teachings of what we're supposed to be, of what we're supposed to learn from these religions, it's all, it always comes down to love, goodness, faith. No, no, none of, none of these teachings are like, hey, and remember that, you have to make everybody else who's not like you feel really bad about themselves. You know, that's, that's, the, that's sometimes what humans are. <clears throat> yes, definitely. This has been absolutely amazing. I feel like you were dropped into our lives for a reason today, for sure. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being on with us. I feel like we're going to need a part two because I could just keep going and going. Oh my gosh, um, I would. Yeah, I would definitely. Like, I was like, adds to cart. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I would love to... Uh, you know, talk with you gals after you've taken a look. And and I'm very curious to see because it's interesting to me, the few people that have read my book and it's few because it's not out yet. Uh, it comes out March 1st and people take different things out of it. Like any work of art or any information you put out there. And again, I'm not clinging to anything here either. I have... I check my ego regularly. <laughs> so it's about whatever works for you from this book, from the Tao, from any words I put out there. It's you take from it what works for you. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so thankful for our listeners who are on tonight and listening to this. And if you guys, you know, make sure that you get in touch with us about what really resonated with you from this and um, whether or not you agree with what we said about, you know, what the real you know, core of the problem in the world is right now. So you can follow us on Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups at on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. And then on Instagram, we're at Hey Smart Mamas. And you can find me at Ellen Laletta. Lacey is at Miss Lacey Lynch. And Jesse, where can our listeners find you? JessieKanzer.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-N-Z-E-R.com. All my information is there about the upcoming book, about my Instagram, which I'm on a lot as well. Also at Jessie Kanzer. 
So if you check it out, and by the way, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing is going to be everywhere, is everywhere now where books are sold. So you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight. Excellent. Hey, congratulations on the book. Yes. And we're very excited that you chatted with us tonight. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Lacey and Helen. Thank you. Good night, guys.